Welcome back, everyone. Happy Tuesday. So, uh, fair warning, this episode's going to be a little emotional. Uh, we are talking about my number one inspiration, and that is my dad, who passed away years ago. Um, but we're going to talk about the difference between what inspiration is and your why, and all of the reasons that he inspires me still to this day, even after his passing. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to Owning Your Authenticity with me, Diana Terry. This podcast is all about breaking down the stereotypes we were raised with to create our real authentic life. We talk about every kind of relationship, life and business, creating worthy routines, setting boundaries, and leaning into that little voice that says, you are meant for more. If you've checked off all the boxes of what you were supposed to do, and you still feel like it's not right or not enough, then this podcast is for you. I know that your time is super valuable, so thank you for joining me, and let's get started. Okay, so (laughs) my dad, uh, his name was Jerome Victor Coda. I actually have his signature, his actual signature tattooed on my arm. I got it when he was still alive. So he got to see it, which was a really cool moment. Uh, He was actually visiting in town. Um, I was, I had very, the kids were really little. And um, he was hanging out with the family while I went to get tattooed. And I was getting my tattoo for my daughter, which I have a big piece on my arm. And I came back from the shop and on, you know, they saran wrap it, or at least it did 10 years ago. (laughs) Um, Now they have some different stuff, but and he's like, well, why is why is your other arm saran wrapped after he looked at the one? And he wasn't huge on tattoos. Like, he didn't love that I had them. But he also wasn't, you know, harping on me about it. It was kind of like, hey, man, it's your decision. It's your body. And actually, one time he told me, we <laughs> when, when I first started getting tattooed, I was like 22. And he had a conversation with me. And he was like, you know, if God wanted tattoos on your body, he would have put them there. And my response to that was, well, if God didn't want him there, he wouldn't have given me a blank canvas. And he didn't really have a response for that. So after that, he he kind of stopped commenting on them, but he didn't love it. And I knew that. So he says, well, why is your other arm saran wrapped? And I said, oh, this. And I showed him and it was his exact signature. About a month beforehand, I had asked him to mail me a piece of paper with his signature a couple times, to which he responded, he thought I was forging documents. I don't know why. He's like, what are you, what are you putting my signature on? I said, nothing. Just send me the, send me the, you know, the paper. And then he cried, which is one of three times I think I ever saw my dad cry, maybe four in my entire life. Um, so that was a really magical moment. His name is Jerome Victor Coda, but everyone called him Jerry. Um, and so growing up, my dad was an alcoholic. So all of my younger years, he was very present and I, re- well, he was there, <laughs> I would say. I remember him being there for all the fun things. I wouldn't say he was there for all of the responsibility. I mean, he worked very hard and he paid all the bills, but he wasn't, you know, the dad that was very hands-on. So he was there for the fun stuff. When we went camping, he would, you know, play with the kids and he loved connecting on that level, Um, but he wasn't there for the day-to-day really responsibility of being a parent in the sense that, you know, he was there in the 
financial sense, but not in the other sense. But um, so I was about 19 years old when my dad first um, approached sobriety. And he went through AA and NA and uh, did a lot of work. And he was he he had fallen off the wagon and and like once or twice, but you know when he was in it, he was dedicated. And I think I was nineteen years old, and he asked me one day. He said, "Hey, can you meet me at McDonald's? I need to. I want to talk to you about something." I was like, "Okay." Um, I still lived at home, but I you know I was I was working and I was graduated, and so I I had my own schedule and I did what I did. Um. And so I met him and kind of without any forewarning, he proceeded to um, say, I'm in AA and I'm on the step where I have to make amends with all of the people that I've wronged. So in the middle of McDonald's that was up the street from the house I grew up in that is still there today, uh, my dad kind of unloaded all of the things that he felt he had ways he had failed me or wronged me and then asked me, is there anything I'm missing? Um, to which I had, you know, some to say it was very hard. I was not, I was not emotionally available or even in that space at the time. And it was kind of thrown at me, but you know, I said a a few things that he maybe had forgotten and, and he looked me straight in the eye and he said, I'm so sorry. Like I, I, I just, I fucked up, man. I fucked up for so long and I want you to know that like, I, I'm here now. So uh, that was when I started to get to know my dad. So most people, I feel like, have a relationship with their parents when they're children. And I very much did not. So that was when I started to get to know my dad. And um, I knew him, you know, when he was sober and hit those first. I think he was sober for a couple years before he um, fell off the wagon. And then we had one time where we drank together. It was not a fun time. And, um, and in the last six years of his life, about a month before he passed, he celebrated six years clean and sober. And I just, I was able to develop this amazing relationship with him. Um, he lived about two and a half hours away from me. So it wasn't a relationship where we talk every day. Um, it wasn't a relationship. He was not big on technology. So getting him an iPhone and him learning how to use it was a big deal. But it was one of those relationships where you may not talk often, but there is so much value in the times that you do talk that it's like it fills you up and lasts until the next time, in which case there feels like no time has passed. So, um, and then in the last couple months, my dad was sick with, um, prostate cancer. And when they finally said, Hey, you can do chemo, you have a 5% chance, or you can go on hospice. He wasn't, I mean, he was still active. He was still able to do things, but you know, he had moments and a lot of meds to manage and things like that. So he actually ended up moving in with me at the time I was married to my ex-husband, my kid's father, and we lived with family. So it was kind of just like one big family in the house. And um, I took care of him. And we spent those, I think it was about eight weeks, uh, where we spent, and I was just completely dedicated to him and the kids. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, which was very hard because both my kids were young. Both my kids were under two. 
Um, oh no, both my kids were under three and we just, that was our time, man. Um, because I lived close to a lot of his family, all of his sisters were able to see him and his brother's brother were able to see him very often, visit, come have lunch, hang out. And he was retired. So he, my dad is not the type to sit around and do nothing. So he would go around the house and he fixed things for my mother-in-law and brought his tools out and fixed the door handle and all these little things that needed to be done. And, um, he just brought life into that house, man. It's, it's baffling. Um, and one of the things that we did, because I think I've talked about this before, my, my dad worked very hard. I got my work ethic from him, but he worked in a way in which it was work and then life began after you're done working. So it, that is, while I got my work ethic from him, it's not one of the things that I choose to employ in my own life because I believe <laughs> that I need to enjoy every day, not just the days when I'm done working. So um, I asked him, I said, you know, let's, let's make your bucket list. You know, they gave you, they gave you a couple months to live. What do you want to do? So we sat down one day, he sat in his robe with his glasses and he wrote down a bucket list and we literally just started checking stuff off. Anything I could make happen, we did. And his big one was that my dad was a musician and he wanted to essentially hold a concert of his own music mixed with a sense of poetry in telling his story uh, about his life and his sobriety. And because at the time I was a wedding planner, an event planner, I said, sure, no problem. So within, I want to say it was five days, we had a venue booked, catering, photography, videography. I mean, tickets were being sold to pay for the catering. And we just called and told everybody that he knew anybody, you know, his, his friends in sobriety, or I should say his family in sobriety, um, friends from when he was a kid, I, his, his friend Ray flew from, I want to say he was in Washington at the time. I'm not sure where he was at the time. We had people flying in, driving in from out of town. I think there were 109 people there on something that we organized within a week. And that alone speaks to the impact that this man had and still has just to be clear I still get messages from people that say oh I know your dad I miss your dad he was such a great guy he changed my life but in that night um, my dad told his story my dad sang his music he played instruments with my cousins and his friends and his his nieces and nephews and it's indescribable the feeling that happened in that room that night. So I'm going to link it to it in the show notes, but we, part of it was that he wanted a video. And I don't know if like he was thinking about it because I watch this video on the regular now. I don't know if that was his intention or what it was, but I'm going to link to it in the show notes. It's up on YouTube for anybody who wants to watch it. And you can see my dad and he's uh, just, he just radiates authenticity, I guess would be the accurate way to say it. Um, one of one of the things that I want to talk about between inspiration and your why, 
A lot of people think inspiration comes from perfection. That inspiration is the person who did everything right and followed the path and got to where they're supposed to be. And quite frankly, while that may seem inspiring, that doesn't inspire me one single bit. To watch someone do everything they were told they were going to do or just, you know, have that cookie cutter life, nothing about that inspires me. But you want to talk about the people who had to fight themselves and overcome themselves to live a life that they wanted to live or be proud of, that's where I find inspiration. You want to talk about the people that have faced hardships and and gotten through it, the people that are open and raw about how hard things are and the fact that they've failed over and over and over and over and over again and still came out of it with a deep sense of knowing who they were and joy in their life, regardless of status or money or whatever, to have true unbridled joy in their life, despite whatever they have had to do. That's where I find inspiration. And that's the kind of inspiration that my dad gave to me. And it continues to inspire me on a daily basis. Whereas your why, like your why is deep seated in you. Your why can be influenced by inspiration, but can never be dictated. So my dad is not why I do things. My dad is inspires me to do the things in life, whether it's this podcast or helping people or whatever, that are unique to me because my dad inspired me to be myself. A couple of the the things that really are ingrained into my DNA because of my dad is that he he valued truth and honesty, not the sugar-coated version of things. You know, my dad had a very open relationship with me. We were able to joke around and, and talk about really hard things, but he didn't hide hard things from me. He didn't hide hard things in his past or things that he had done. You know, if anything, he's like, I'm going to be blatantly honest about who I am so that you realize that it's it doesn't hurt to be honest. Like there's a, there's a sense of freedom in not hiding from yourself. Uh, one other thing that he inspired me to understand is that you are literally never too old for your life to change. My dad was in his 50s when he started his sobriety again. I think he was in his 40s when he first began his journey on sobriety. And he was in his 50s when he you know, started his journey on sobriety for the last time. And I mean, there is literally no limit. So if you sit there and you turn 30 and you think, oh, that's it. I'm done. There's There's no upward motion from here. It's all downhill from here. Change your thinking, change your mindset, because it's just flat out not true. My dad embodied the idea of acceptance. I can't even explain to you his ability to make people feel accepted. All different kinds of people, all different walks of life. His, his energy just put people's barriers down, whether they wanted to or not. And as much as it hurts me that my dad never got to meet me as an openly gay woman, I am still very close with his family, who he's literally spoken through to me. 
So I feel his acceptance through them. And I just know his his version of being close to someone was never about changing them so they'd be easy to be around. It was about accepting them as they were so that you could form a true bond with someone. And really just creativity and joy from him. Like I can still, I can still listen to his music. I still have, I mean, we went through, he had so much stuff. My dad was (laughs) like a complete pack rat and he loved the thrift store and he just, everything was a treasure. And when when we eventually had to go up and clean his house so that my brother could uh, take ownership of the house. I mean, the amount of knickknacks that went back to the very thrift store that he bought it from is astounding. Most of them still had price tags on them. <laughs> I guess you had to kind of know him. But he just found so much joy in in discovering these. Like, everything was a treasure hunt. And he was a creative, artistic human being. He used to um, carve out rocks with his Dremel, something that I actually did, too. Um, he would make artwork out of driftwood and... He was just, there was just so much freedom to explore and create with him. And that very much comes through in how I connect with my kids too. That's a big lesson that um, I learned from him that I am sure to pass on to my kids. But this episode doesn't have a lesson for you to learn. It doesn't have any tactics or tools. It's just a conversation about someone that made me who I am. And March 19th is the day that he died. So this Saturday, um, you know, pre-COVID, I used to travel to a new city every year that I had never been to in honor of him. So I have gone to uh, Idlewild, California. I went on a solo trip there with my dog one year. New Orleans. um, I had never really stayed in San Diego, which is ironically very close to me. And um, COVID kind of shot those plans down. Uh, The year that COVID launched, we were supposed to be on a plane for Seattle. and, And then the world shut down. So... While in the last couple of years, I have not been able to travel in his honor, um, we have chosen to honor him in other ways. So, cheers to Jerry Coda Day, March 19th. He will forever be my inspiration. And I really just hope that you can find someone in your life that accepts you and inspires you in ways you know that you deserve so I love you guys have a beautiful rest of your week